Oh, man. Seriously, I do have shivers right now that started with those chord progressions. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, my favorite beetle, by the way, and thank you to you all for bringing that to us, Kit, for, for arranging the music that comes to us today, and oh, my goodness. Um, that's, yeah, my favorite beetle, so... Um, I always listen for the moment that drops me into the, the space. And sometimes it happens uh, while I'm getting ready in the morning, and sometimes it happens in the car. And thankfully, it's not a dangerous thing when that happens. And uh, this morning, it was that song. Thank you. It took me there. Hope it did for you, too. So I was having deep thoughts over the scrambled egg this morning and uh, just wanted to share with you a brief history of the human journey. <laughs> so we started out as people who lived in our family groups. And I'm not talking about this lifetime. I'm talking about tens of thousands of years ago. Uh, we started out living with our little family groups and having to forage and hunt for what we needed and uh, to find places to give us shelter. And then we eventually began to come together in groups and we became more tribal. And then we had cities and, and states and it grew from there. But we were born with this part of our brain that was uh, developed specifically for our survival. And that is still with us. That, um, this is a little psychophysiology here, and I don't know if that's really a thing, but let's just pretend that psychophysiology is a thing. Um, and we still have that in our limbic brain back here. And that is the thing that gives you the adrenaline when you um, feel threatened, uh, when you almost have a car accident. That's the thing that um, causes us to fight or fly. And, um, and it's important that we have that part. But just as all species have evolved, so have we. We have so many modern conveniences, at least most of us in this country, that we no longer have to forage and hunt, unless we have an unprecedented freeze in February and lose our basic necessities, but you know what I mean. And didn't you go into a different place when that happened? Didn't you experience a little bit of that primitiveness that is at the heart of our, our existence here on this planet? So we, we can tap into that. More often, we tap into that part of our brain when we're feeling tribal about stuff. Do you, are you familiar with your tribal self? Oh, come on. You really are. I mean, we don't like to admit it because that's the part of us that's just like, well, how dare you think that way? How dare you threaten my particular frame of mind or belief system? Uh, so we go into tribalism. We are us versus them more often than we would like to think that we are. 
And that part of us is the part that keeps us from having peace. That tribalism does that to us. And as we have evolved, it's become more and more important that we be the standard bearers for a more evolved spiritual life, a more evolved emotional life, a more evolved way of existing with other human beings on the planet. But then there are things that interfere with that. The stresses of everyday life, the, um, the stress that we absorb by osmosis from the planet around us and the people around us and the events and the, the ideas that are flowing around us. We absorb that unless we're living totally off the grid and disconnected to news and other human beings and the human struggle. And most personally, we feel that when we're doing those things in a 12-step program that's known as HALT, when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, and when we're tired, especially when we're tired. Uh, we revert a lot of times back to our more primitive selves. Um, we, uh, out of fear... We'll try to grab everything that we can for ourselves, whether it's stuff or whether it is um, uh, the, the need to feel loved. And a lot of times when we reach out for that love, we're not doing it in a healthy way. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> and so we, we are constantly in this um, straddling of two worlds. The, the physical world, the, the, the entire human history that lives in our cells and in our DNA in a more enlightened and higher way of being that is the very heart of our most natural selves, the way we're created to be. And that is what we're here to study all the time, isn't it? How to um, absorb, assimilate, and transcend the world that we live in. That's what we're about. That's what your journey is right now, today. And so peace has to be a choice. Just like we talked about hope and faith last week, we have to choose to express that. We have to choose to know that, to know peace that's at the heart of us. And the other part of our human history that has a bearing on us is the part of us that is a warring faction. And I've never understood since I was a child why we, why we had to have war in order to have peace. What is that? And I'm not saying, I'm not here to debate or take up a stance necessarily maybe a little, on defending property, you know, uh, trying to help people when they're being oppressed by a regime or whatever. We have our humanitarian motives. But we also have economic motives. And we also have... Um, our, our, our spear-shaking motives, and we also have 
our uh, desire to be a dominant force. And I'm not speaking about just the USA, I'm speaking about any group of human beings. So we have this ingrained in our, in our collective consciousness that war is the solution for things. Not only uh, armed forces, but in here. Are we not at war internally a lot of our lives? Struggling against the things that pull us down. That's our condition. We're never going to escape that condition, but we can become more aware of it and build up a better toolbox for ways to move through it more quickly and more easily. That's also what we're about. So I just wanted to speak for a moment about the story that we have about Jesus. This is the story that we have, whether or not it actually occurred this way. When Jesus came, there was the hope that he was there to be the ultimate liberator from people, uh, the Jewish people being oppressed by others for centuries. It was hoped that he would come in with a sword to take care of this figuratively. And Jesus came with a different kind of peace. And people were disappointed that he was not that, not what they expected, that he came with a message of peace. He spoke about it. He said it explicitly in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, that doesn't fit in with the human narrative very well, does it, when you're a people living under the uh, domination of another people? Blessed are the peacemakers. So, so here we sit in the human condition having to decide to be peaceful with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, with um, people who disagree with us, with people who are different than us, to be at peace with ourselves, to overcome the inertia of living the way we've lived throughout the human journey. And the good news is that peace is already here and accessible. And as it said in the um, introduction, which was really, really good, Leah, thank you. The introduction that we have to allow it to occur. And so think about the times when you know you have a choice for peace and you choose not to. <laughs> So no, I am going to continue to be upset about this for a while. Thank you very much, but I'll take peace later on. I need to get through this first, which is kind of backwards. I posted something on the uh, Unity Minister's private page discussion group on Facebook, and uh, one of my colleagues had a very differing opinion. And I allowed myself, not that person, that person did nothing to me. What I did to myself was allow it to stew and bubble and get really, really stinky. You know? I even woke up this morning going, well, I wonder if they've changed their mind. 
Well, I wonder if I've changed mine. <laughs> and so the struggle is real, my friends, because I must choose to exude with my being goodwill in the midst of our differences. We must choose that every place we go. I, for some reason, recalled uh, when I was in ministerial school, my second year of ministerial school, I lived in a walk-up apartment over a store in downtown Lee Summit, Missouri. Downtown is a liberal term for the business part of Lee Summit. Uh, right across from the railroad tracks that had both Amtrak trains coming through regularly and freight trains. And, um, but I loved my little apartment. I loved it. Its floors were uneven, and the trains rattled my windows, and um, I, I loved living there. So one night I had my windows open, which is really nice, and uh, I heard an argument going on on the street below my window, a man and a woman. And I went to the window, partly out of that tribal human curiosity, <laughs> to find out what was going on, and, and they, were really, they were really going at it, and there was some body language that made me think it was about to escalate. And so I just called down and said, does anybody need any help down there? And the woman looked up at the window and she said, mind your own business. <laughs> okay, sure will. But if y'all come to blows, I'm calling 911. <laughs> and so the peacemaking that I had to do was not that. It was not intervening, but it was pouring peace out of my window onto this couple. And isn't it interesting? They've traveled with me for 30 years. They've been with me for 30 years. That prayer of peace has continued for them. My guess is that they did not stay together for very long, or they did. Either way, peace continues to pour out. So we're not limited by time or space in experiencing peace. And this season is about that. You know, we, we have these seasons, these holidays that we celebrate in order to tap into the archetypes that move us. And I'll speak about this more through the season. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me say this. It doesn't matter what the facts are about Christmas. What matters is that something appeals to us about a child being born that signifies hope and faith and peace and joy and love. We are drawn to that. And we, we honor it with doves of peace that you created. We, we celebrate that. We, we come into the season of light in order to honor those things which touch us most deeply 
the things that we want the most. Because it is our inner urging that propels us toward it. And so even the most warrior-like person you know, and I'm not talking about spiritual warrior, I'm talking about warrior, warrior. At their hearts, they long for peace. They long for love. They long for joy. They long for these things. And so we are the peacemakers bringing that peace of our hearts to every situation in every place. I have to tell you, I had the best experience on Friday. The best experience. I well, was at HEB in South Austin, and um, I had finished my shopping, and I w pulled my cart up to the ATM to get some cash. And um, these two older ladies, uh, masked, um, came up and kind of signaling with my eyes that I was in the way of the scratch-off machine. <laughs> and they had their dollar bills ready to feed into it. So I backed my cart up so that we could share the space a little bit. And as I got ready to leave, I really looked at them. And they both had pink hair. <laughs> so I just stopped. I thought this would be a fun little connection. This would be a, a nice way to make contact with strangers. And uh, so I stopped. I said, we kind of match. And uh, they said, yeah, we do. How do you do yours? And I said, uh, I told them what process my hairdresser goes through. And, and, and during that conversation, one of the H&B employees came up to us and said, y'all are so cute, all three of you, pink hair. And, uh, and I said, what, what do y'all do? And she's, they said, we use Kool-Aid. That's what I did, too. I just went, okay. I said, how do you do that exactly? So they used uh, red Kool-Aid and conditioner, and they put it in their hair and uh, made their hair the prettiest shade of pink. I liked it better than mine. And they said, yeah, we were bored during the pandemic, so we decided we'd play around with our hair a little bit. I thought, oh, that is so delightful. It's so delightful. So I have a picture of the three of us on my phone because I took a, a selfie portrait of the three of us with our pink hair. And um, that moment of connection, that moment of goodwill between the three of us carried me for, still is, carrying me. It was wonderful. Because in the midst of a busy season and me needing to take care of my business and them needing to take care of theirs. And for those of you that are watching online, if you don't know what scratch-offs are, you must not live in a lottery state because... Um, they're cards you scratch off and you see if you want any money. And so uh, that happened on Friday. And then yesterday, I w um, facilitated the memorial service for my friend who died a couple of years ago, a uh, couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I think I told you before, he's British and played football, soccer in the US. And so 
all of his mates were there, and they were comprised of people from other countries who now live in the U.S. And there was a range of generational ages there, a range of people from around the world, a range of um, nature of contact and relationship with Alec throughout his life from his daughter to his most recent friends. And so we had this beautiful backyard gathering with people's dogs. And um, there was such a sense of peace that I attribute to Alec that from beyond this life, his life brought together people of all this range to share our commonness, to acknowledge each other, to be with each other. And it had a very, very sweet spirit to it. And so it's important for us to not overlook the opportunities that we have for connection. And you don't have to go out into the world to do it. You can do it with a phone call, <clears throat> a text, an email, a comment. You can do it without making contact whatsoever through your prayer. Let peace be the thing that fills you up, that pushes aside all of our tribalism, that pushes aside our patterns of behavior, that pushes aside everything that troubles our waters so that we're the presence of peace for ourselves and for everyone else around us and for our children. Our children that this week, this week had to practice yet again protecting themselves from someone who would do harm. It's sad that it happened, but it's also sad that our kids are now having a second nature to barricade and shelter in place. I hate that. I am not at peace about that yet. But what I can do is just imagine pouring out peace like the sweetest honey upon every single school in this nation. And upon the parents of those children who may be leading their young ones astray, even now, not getting their children the help that they need. And sometimes for us to know peace, we have to experience that heartache completely. Because the same thing that brings us that heartache and that pain is the part of us that longs for peace. They're right here, hand in hand. Peace and heartache. Joy and sorrow. Desolation and hope. 
They exist right beside each other. We choose. We choose. I'm going to share with you again the writings of the editor of The Daily Word, Teresa Burton. She says, I used to fall into an easy trap at Christmas time. I would get so wrapped up in being busy. Christmas would turn into something to do, not something to enjoy. It was a mostly happy pressure. I enjoyed shopping for gifts, cooking my favorite holiday dishes, sending Christmas cards, and doing more socializing in a month than I do most of the year. One year it all caught up with me. I felt frazzled and grumpy. Anybody identify with having a year like that one? With each passing day, I felt myself slipping further and further behind on everything I believed I had to do. Not everything I had to do. Everything I believed I had to do. Even though I knew that the pressure I was feeling was self-imposed, I wouldn't give myself a break and let anything go. The more focused and efficient I tried to be, the more irritable I became. <clears throat> I felt as though I was running out of time, chasing an idea of perfection that mattered only to me. I had committed to attending a Christmas Eve church service, but I wasn't in the mood. <laughs> I'm just going to send out a reminder for New Year's Eve. I mean, Christmas Eve. <clears throat> I settled in my seat, but I felt restless. I sang the familiar songs and heard the familiar scriptures. It was all lovely, but my mind kept drifting back to the unwrapped gifts, the unsent Christmas cards, and all the errands I ran out of time to complete. The service was pleasant enough, but I remained unmoved, eager to get back home and back to the work of getting ready for Christmas. I was about to realize I had sacrificed peace on the altar of perfection. After the service, I stepped outside and walked toward my car. I was calmed by the fullness of the quiet and stillness of the chilly air. Driving home, I slowed to appreciate the lights adorning houses, the colorful Christmas trees and windows, and luminarias aligning several long driveways. For the first time in weeks, I felt captivated and wholly present. In that moment, I remembered singing, not even an hour before, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And it was. I've kept the gift of that experience. I realized that night that peace isn't perfection. Peace is presence. Peace is attention. Peace is not getting rattled over things that don't really matter. Now I do my best, but I do not worry about doing everything perfectly or getting it all done. I'm no longer running that race, and I'm at peace. And the scripture is from Job 22:21. Agree with God and be at peace. In this way, good will come to you. So I would postulate to you that an ounce of peace gives you a mile of accomplishment. Just as 
um, giving a little of your time and talent and treasure makes what you have left go farther. I would propose to you that taking a moment for peace greases the skids for the rest of what needs to be done because it also allows you to eliminate the things that are not important. I had a post this week on Facebook that I reposted that showed a Christmas tree of a home that has cats. And the tree only had like the top section of it decorated. <laughs> and that's kind of what my tree looks like at home because I have a very curious and energetic and engaging cat that thinks I put them all there for him. So I always decorate my tree from about two-thirds of the way up, if that much. If you have a toddler, looking at you, Fins, if you have a toddler, something else you might consider, not having the perfect Christmas tree, but having the perfect Christmas tree for your home. Or be Charlie Brown and have the Christmas twig doesn't matter. It's more important that we were peaceful and rich in the gestures that we make, be they fewer, than it is for us to spread ourselves thin with no sense of peace, saying, well, did all that. We have an opportunity this season to slow down. We got practice last year, didn't we? And I think what I'm seeing is less of people scrambling to really do it up big and more of people being mindful and present about what they are doing. And it could just be that I'm seeing that because that's what I'm trying to live myself. Easy does it. Easy does it. And I'm going to take this opportunity to invite you to look at uh, the Today Show clip this week about places to travel for the holidays where you'll find beautiful things to see. That a little feature that lasted about um, six minutes. And one of the places that was featured was the Emily Ann display in Wimberley, Texas. We were there on national television. And it is our beloved Leslie and her volunteers from our community here who contributed their part to making the Trail of Lights, Emily Ann Trail of Lights, just beautiful. Yeah. And it took y'all, what, three days? Something like three days of unselfish time and the sense of peace and goodwill to bring light to the season right where we are. And it was rewarded, if you will, not only with the 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 people who come through and the gratification 
<clears throat> but to have been on national television to say we are a beautiful spot. So I invite you to be a beautiful spot in the season. Peace is a, a choice. If you find yourself saying, man, I wish peace would come and get all over me, back it up and start right here. Get peace in your mind and your heart and your belly. Get peaceful there. Breathe a little peace. Sing a little peace. Get the vibration of music going. Even if you don't sing well, hum. Listen to Christmas music. Listen to any kind of music that brings you peace. Spend some time looking at the places where trees do change colors to remind you of, of the, the, the changeable nature of life. That this too shall pass whatever you're experiencing and that peace is right here. Already given to us. Not as the world gives us, but already present as a gift, already present. And as we move through this season, we'll keep reminding each other of how to be hopeful and faithful, how to be peaceful and joyful and loving. We'll help each other out. I have to tell you that I was up here on Thursday for our finance team meeting Which, um, in thinking about it beforehand, it's something I'd rather just put nails in my <laughs> fingers than do that. And it turned out to be easy and pleasant. And in the midst of that day, on Thursday and on Wednesday, the decorating was going on. And there were sounds of happy voices in this building and there was the, on Wednesday evening, the presence of peace for meditation. And I was just knocked back by the joy of this place, this physical place filled up again with the sounds that are dear to us, with the, the, the visuals that are dear to us, with the people that are dear to us. So avail yourself of the chance to be peace, to practice peace, to bring peace. And so as we move into our meditation, we're going to, we're going to be in that place. I'm going to invite you to sink right away into your heart, to breathe into your belly, to still your mind. Just let peace engulf you from its origin deep in you. Let it well up. Let it be part of you. And believe me, beloved, your mind will tell you all the things that would keep you from knowing peace, 
And yet, that in you has the ability to observe it and say, peace be still. Peace be still for now. We are dwelling in the place of that quiet power that is greater than anything that troubles us, occupies us. If unfinished business is interrupting your peace, identify it, take care of it. Do your part to nurture the peace that lives in you. If there is any part in you that is dwelling in unforgiveness, turn it over with humility and trust to that great spirit in you that puts everything right again. If there is sorrow in you, Let it be the sorrow of the ages. And somehow that brings us comfort to know that we are not alone. That throughout the human journey, we have had the great spirit with us to bring comfort. Know that if your mind is filled with a to-do list, moments of peace will prioritize that list, cross things off, let you move through them with ease and joy and perfect intention. And for centuries, in our religious rituals, we have exchanged the peace with others. And in that moment, differences fall away. For surely we want peace for our brothers and sisters as much as we want it for ourselves. So right now, in this room, from the center of peace in you, exchange the peace with others in this place, just quietly, silently, with your eyes closed. Extend that peace. Let's weave that golden tapestry with each other. so that out of the many, we are one. And beloved ones that are joining us from afar, we extend that peace to you. Peace and blessings of our hands and hearts.
knowing that you are one with us. Breathe it in, beloved. Breathe it in. Let peace be the blanket that wraps itself around you, that you can wear everywhere. And breathe yet one more time, nice and deep. Let everything else go. Be at peace. Be at peace for all is well. All is well. And all is well. And so it is. Amen. <laughs>